After a long day of working from home, Harry Sultan logs out of his work email, shuts his laptop, and boots up his PlayStation 5. It's game time. That's the one, baby. You're dead. There's a lot more people who are just like me who, at the end of a day of work, just want to hang out with their friends and catch up while playing a game and just relax with it. Oh my God, that was terrible. Oh my God! You know, relax can be a loose term because my heart rate goes through the roof and I scream a lot. That's what you get, that's what you get! Oh, that's a reflection. Harry's playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, a first-person shooter game. Most of y'all may know this already, but people around the world can join in and play the game together. It's basically teams against other teams. Who's shooting? I can't get more than one kill in a row. Why does anyone play this game? This is not fun. But Harry started to notice something over the last few years. He's up against players that are real good, like impossibly good. They know where I'm at before they can actually even see me. Like, oh, there's a person on the other side of the map through 16 different walls. If I aim my knife throw, you know, 13 degrees up and seven degrees left and release it, it's gonna hit me. How is that possible? Because no one can be that good. See, the thing is, his opponents, they're not incredible players. They're using aimbots and wall hacks. And you're probably thinking, like, what the hell are aimbots and wall hacks? Well, they're game cheats. So instead of trying to aim and shoot at your enemy, an aimbot automatically does it for you. And it does it very well. I can walk past a doorway and the person will just do a 180 and without aiming, shoot me in the face. It's the most frustrating thing. In a game that depends on a lot of shooting and killing to win, this is a pretty handy trick. And a wall hack is a cheat that allows you to see other players through walls. Like there is just no way that somebody can move as fast and as accurately as some of these people do now. They can anticipate things differently. So, so obviously not human. For people like Harry, when they play these video games, it's to relax and to have fun. But then you run into a cheater and it can completely ruin the experience. There are like weeks where it is almost unbearable to play because it is so many of them in every game. Like you join the map, you are killed. You rejoin, you are killed. It's unbearable. So much so that like I sometimes just, I'll, I'll try a few different games. I will quit and I will turn off the PlayStation for a week and then come back later because I just can't handle it. When people cheat for whatever reason that they're doing it, it just makes this thing that I really love to be able to be a part of completely inaccessible. As you can imagine, wherever there are games, you're usually going to find some cheaters. Online and mobile games are no different. And the cheats 
They're game changers, literally. There is one sport where cheating has become an epidemic. The massive popularity of esports as competitive video gaming is known has made it fertile ground for hacking. In the last 15 years, video game cheating has become a lucrative industry. One cheat developer called Cheat Ninja attracted hundreds of thousands of paying cheaters. Well, I mean, loyal customers. And Cheat Ninja, he made some serious money. This was the biggest video game cheating organization in the world. The police said that they made $77 million. $77 million? Mm, that's mighty tempting. Cheat Ninja kind of made gaming a lawless land. But game developers weren't sitting on the sidelines waiting to get played. Yes. Cheaters will be punished. I'm Alzo Slade, and this is Cheat. The show where we ask, is it ever okay to break the rules? This week, how a cheating empire hacked the gaming industry. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why would people want to pay money to cheat? I mean, doesn't that kind of take the fun out of the game? Yeah, it's something that I've been thinking about for a while as I've been writing stories about this world. This is Lorenzo Franceschi Bicarai. He's a freelance journalist who covers cybersecurity, hacking, and cybercrime. Lorenzo says there's a few reasons people cheat. Sometimes it's for money. A few games offer monetary prizes for being really good. Some people cheat to gain kind of, I guess, social status. And Harry gets it. When I was younger, I was in a very cool group of kids who prided ourselves on our kill-death ratio and our leaderboard rankings in Call of Duty. And like that was how we found our status in life. Being at the top of the rank in the game doesn't only earn you respect within your friend group, but a certain prestige in the global gaming community. And sometimes people cheat because they just really don't like losing. You have this minority of players that just want to win and they don't want to like get better to win. They want to win now and they're willing to pay for it. Lorenzo says that for as long as video games have been around, cheats have existed. There have been video game cheats for PC games because they're relatively easy to install. They're just like another app for Windows and it runs on the background. In the 90s, a very popular PC game was Doom. It was one of the earliest first-person shooter games. Maybe you're old enough to have played the game at school in the computer lab. I'm not saying I am, but I'm just saying. Because the game was on a floppy disk. Remember those? Some Doom players did a thing called speed running. Basically, they tried to beat the video game as fast as possible. And to do that, they relied on glitches that helped them skip entire parts of the game. By the 2000s, 
a lot of homes across America had computers, and PC gaming became more common as graphics and hardware improved. And with more gamers, more cheats followed. Gamers found ways to reverse engineer game code and exploit bugs in the game software. Gaming made its way to mobile devices, but during this time, the industry of mobile cheats was basically an untapped market. Then in 2018, Cheat Ninja came along. Cheat Ninja's really huge innovation was to develop cheats for mobile games. A software developer had the idea to create a game for PUBG Mobile, a free-to-play shooter game. Now, this developer decided to go big because at the time, this was one of the most played games in the world. They realized that it was possible, and they shared their cheat with other people, and they were like, oh, wow, this works very well. Maybe you should sell it. And boom. The developer decided to turn it into a business. He named his company Cheat Ninja and launched a website to sell his cheats. Because China has one of the biggest markets for this kind of gaming, he hired Chinese employees and put their website in Chinese to attract Chinese customers. Lorenzo estimates that the organization was made up of about a dozen or so people, a couple of developers to make the cheats, some salespeople, and tech support. Cheat Ninja marketed their cheats on social media sites and game forums. Their cheats were easy to find, buy, and use. You download them, which gives you a license key that allows you to unlock the app and use it. But Cheat Ninja also knew that they had to protect their customers from getting caught. So they develop ways for cheats to slip under the radar. They can use these sliding scales to make it so that it's not so obvious that they're cheating. It's like a humanizing mode that cheaters can turn on so that their character is better, but not perfect. A humanized aimbot may aim for different parts of the enemy so you're not hitting the target smack dab in the middle of their head every time you take a shot. You know, it's kind of like having all the answers to a test but not using them all because the professor knows that you're not that smart. And just so you know, this is just an example, not saying that I've experienced it firsthand. Now, in 2018, Cheat Ninja's business took off. They sold cheat subscriptions from around $10 to $15 a month and attracted thousands of subscribers. At the highest peak of the business, they were making $400,000 a month. Wait a minute, $400,000 a month? Hmm, might just be time for me to learn how to write some code. Cheat Ninja blew up. Soon, they started branching out and making cheats for other games like Overwatch and Call of Duty Warzone. And with every new game, it'd be a hot revenue source. While selling cheat codes is not illegal in the U.S., it is in China. Making and selling cheats could land you in jail. The founder's location was unknown, but most of his business and customers were in China. He knew the consequences and kept his identity secret, even to his own co-workers. So Lorenzo was shocked when the founder messaged him, saying that he wanted to talk. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, 
And this is the price of paradise. The island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption and murder. Wish you were here? Follow the price of paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to True Spies. The podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark disappeared bin Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios. Wherever you get your podcasts. In April of 2021, Lorenzo was working for Vice's motherboard. He puts out a request for tips on cheat developers. Simply a little paragraph saying, do you develop cheats? Do you work on anti-cheat engines? We would like to talk to you. I included my contact information. A few weeks later, Lorenzo gets a message on an encrypted chat app. The person writes to Lorenzo and says that he worked for the biggest video game cheating organization, Cheat Ninja. I'm the lead developer and founder, and I would like to share my story. Uh, but Lorenzo's journalist spidey senses were tingling. He was skeptical. Mostly because I didn't really see why they would do this. I just thought that this was probably somebody trying to trick me or someone trying to take credit for it. The person was super cautious and vague about details. They never shared their names. They never even told me where they lived. They were super careful. Now, if Lorenzo was going to write his story, he needed this person to prove he was who he said he was. They showed that they had control of their domains of the cheating organization, mainly CheatNinja.com. This was the main website the developer used to distribute cheats. The developer also shared a cheat he made for Call of Duty Warzone Mobile. Lorenzo showed it to someone who worked in anti-cheating who confirmed it was, in fact, real. So they were able to verify who he was. And Motherboard, where Lorenzo worked, gave the person an alias, Catfish. And Catfish was willing to share his story, but only on his terms. What I know about Catfish, unfortunately, is very little. Lorenzo learned a lot about how Catfish started his cheating business and made money. But Catfish told him that it wasn't easy by any means. Being a hacker is stressful. You're developing the software. Sometimes it doesn't work anymore, and it's really not up to you. You know, it doesn't work because the company that makes the video game has figured out a way to stop you. And so all of a sudden, you have, like, dozens or maybe hundreds or maybe thousands of users that are you know, complaining to you, hey, give me the software back, fix this problem, I paid you. So Catfish had to update the software constantly to avoid getting called out by other players, or worse, game developers. Now, for some of y'all out there, this may not seem like such a big deal. People are making and selling game cheats because some people are sore losers or whatever. So what? Well, for one, it impacts game developers. The most obvious reason is they lose money. Most of the games are typically free to play. The way these games make money is by selling items called skins. These can cost anywhere from eight to $100. Skins change the way you look in the game, like the character's outfit. But you may be less interested in buying a new outfit for your character if you can spend your money on a cheat 
that makes your character shoot better and actually win the game. Cheating also makes people quit playing or leave the game temporarily like Harry sometimes does. I mean, nobody wants to play with cheaters. Lorenzo says there are games that have been completely taken over by cheaters after regular players fled. There have been games in the past that essentially have become a graveyard for cheaters, like Team Fortress 2, that at some point just essentially lost control of cheaters, so the company just stopped caring about it, and now it's like cheaters against cheaters. So what can companies do to combat organizations like Cheat Ninja from turning their games into the wild, wild west of cheaters? Because cheaters can be destructive to the entire gaming ecosystem. Paul Chamberlain knows from experience from both sides of the game. I never really imagined being the cheat police growing up. That's way too authoritarian and uncool for a teenage and college me. As an adult, Paul has worked on anti-cheat teams for big companies like Epic Games and Riot Games. All anti-cheat systems that I'm aware of use some combination of these three parts to deter cheaters, detect cheaters, and then like try and get them out of the ecosystem as fast as possible. First, anti-cheat software uses a preventative tool that makes the game harder for hackers to analyze and tamper with. It raises the barrier of entry for cheat developers to even start figuring out how to make a cheat for your game. Also, anti-cheating teams collect a lot of gaming statistics, sometimes with help from artificial intelligence about how a game is played, like how many kills you made, the kind of weapons you use, stuff like that and like tries to find patterns that are suspicious that can be surfaced for further investigation. The system will generate alerts for the anti-cheat team or potentially take automated action on a suspected cheater. When a cheater gets busted, they're sometimes sent to what's called the cheater's room or cheater's island. And no, this is not some new reality show. The idea is that if you detect someone is cheating, you just flag their account as a cheater and only let them play against other cheaters. And then you'll be placed into a match where every other player is one that has been marked as a cheater. This is a very fun thing for game developers because it's like a nice sort of a soft punishment of like, haha, we, we've tricked you. Yeah, but this trick is only a short-term solution for the cheaters. Because once they realize where they are, in a cheating purgatory, if you will, they'll leave, start a new account, and return to causing chaos. Most commonly, a player's account will get suspended if they're caught cheating. If it's a player's first offense, their account could get suspended anywhere from 90 days to six months. Other game developers are more severe. They'll completely ban a cheating account. But it's hard to keep tabs on all the cheaters out there. That's why game developers are investing in anti-cheat teams and software to crack down on all these hackers selling the cheats, like Cheat Ninja. On one hand, you have programmers that make anti-cheat systems, and on the other hand, you have people that are essentially like double agents, scouring the internet for cheaters and keeping an eye on cheat companies, cheat organizations. Paul says it's common for anti-cheat departments to be split into two teams. Operations, who try to detect and prevent cheats, and the technical team who investigate cheat developers. A lot of this involves trying to buy the cheats as if it was a sting to try and see where the money goes or pretending to be cheat developers themselves and joining the communities that they have to try and share technical knowledge. 
all the way up to employing private investigators who will try and track down like the physical locations and identities of the people who developed the cheats. When a cheat maker is found by a developer for the first time, they get a kind of slap on the wrist. The goal is to send a letter or even knock on the door of the person who is selling these cheats and say, hey, we know who you are, we know that you sell these cheats, you should stop or we will sue you. And for most people, Paul says, that seems to work. But what if you get as big as Cheat Ninja? I'm talking about making hundreds of thousand dollars a month. That's a pretty tough job to quit. But it's also hard trying to work in the shadows when you've become the biggest video game cheating operation. Eventually, these game developers and their anti-cheat spies, they're going to come and find you. Once Cheat Ninja became so popular, Tencent started to pay attention. Tencent is a Chinese tech giant and one of the biggest video game developers in the world. They are the ones that developed PUBG, which is the video game that Cheat Ninja was focused on. Tencent has condemned cheating publicly, saying they have zero tolerance for cheaters and that they'll get caught. It's only a matter of time before they're caught and punished because our anti-cheating team is constantly monitoring. So, was it game over for Cheat Ninja? Find out after the break. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. The response to video game cheating is different depending on where you live. In the United States, it can be considered copyright infringement. You will get sued and potentially have to make the company whole through payments. Most common cause of action for legal suit against cheat developers is the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. This is an American copyright law passed in 1998 that criminalizes piracy. Do y'all remember using Napster to download music for free and then burning that music onto a CD to give to your friends? Yeah, that wasn't your music to use and distribute for free. You were stealing. Usually the argument goes that the cheat is a unauthorized derivative work of the video game because it relies on modifying the video game to exist. So maybe you'll get sued, have to pay some fines and legal fees. Now, in China and South Korea, video game cheat developers don't get off so easy. In those countries, cheating is considered a hacking crime, and hackers get sent to jail. 
It's not clear why those countries handle video game cheating so differently, but Paul has some theories. China, for example, is home to some of the largest game companies in the world and probably the largest single audience for games in the world as well. So anything that's disrupting that medium is is a very big deal. In South Korea, likewise, there's a very huge cultural identity for young people playing competitive video games. It's largely seen on par with sports. If you're a competitive, say, League of Legends player, StarCraft player, etc., that is of a similar social standing as if you were a basketball player or a football player. In March of 2020, the Chinese tech giant Tencent reported Catfish's website to the Chinese authorities, saying that the organization was selling cheats used in their game PUBG Mobile. The cheat had an icon that looked like a chicken leg that was inspired by the phrase, winner, winner, chicken dinner, which appeared on the screen when a team would win. So the police launched a special investigation called Chicken Drumstick. A few months later, authorities arrested some Cheat Ninja employees. But according to Catfish, the people caught were just sellers and resellers. So they were not like the main core of the organization. So these arrests didn't really hurt the organization too much, but they definitely put Catfish on alert. Catfish knew it was just a matter of time before the police found him. Then, in January of 2021, two of Catfish's closest collaborators went missing. Lorenzo says Catfish told him he was stressed, that he had trouble sleeping. A few days later, Catfish gets a message from one of his missing collaborators. One of them said that he was taking a trip to Shanghai and, like, would not be around to work, which initially Catfish did not see, like, a big problem. But there was something about the way his colleague was talking and behaving that made Catfish realize he may be talking to someone else, like the police. He started to panic. Catfish posted on his website an announcement that said it was pausing its service due to the ongoing legal issues with Tencent. At the time, Catfish says that they had 600,000 subscribers. Next, Catfish told Lorenzo he grabbed a hammer and smashed every chip, drive, any hardware associated with his cheating operation. They claimed that they destroyed the computer that they were using. They destroyed the hard drives where the, there were like sort of the evidence of the cheats. And even though Catfish told Lorenzo he wasn't living in China, he wanted to be extra cautious. They were so worried that they were like, okay, let's just destroy all the evidence so that no matter what happens, I will not get prosecuted. Nobody will go after me. Catfish's instinct was right. The police had arrested his top two colleagues and others. It's as if these guys were in a movie selling top-secret government documents running a racketeering scam. Ten were arrested for selling cheat software used in best-selling game titles like Call of Duty. Luxury cars were among the assets seized from an illicit enterprise raking in more than $70 million. This person lived in China, and they owned a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, like worth two or three million dollars. And, you know, their official salary was less than $500. So he just painted a big target on their head by having this lavish lifestyle in China. Mm, smart with the software, but not so smart with the common sense. 
It was game over for what Chinese authorities called the world's biggest gang of video game hackers. Cheat Ninja was no more. The last time Lorenzo spoke to Catfish was back in the spring of 2021. I haven't heard from Catfish since last year, so I don't know if they're still on the run. But my understanding is that they were not living in China, and so that gave them a pretty good, pretty good protection against any kind of illegal repercussion. Catfish told Lorenzo that he was no longer going to sell cheats. It was just too stressful. But he did say he'd continue to make cheats for himself and his friends for fun. Cheat Ninja may be no more, but that doesn't mean video game cheating has stopped. It's still happening, and it's pretty much here to stay. The demand is there, and the money's just too good. As long as there are people willing to pay to cheat, there'll be people making the cheats. But my question is, why is it so important to cheat at video games? I remember playing video games as a kid. I cheat every once in a while, but... These folks are cheating when the stakes seem to be pretty low and most of them aren't making any money by doing the cheating. What do you think? Is it some sort of psychological need to always be first? Or is it that you just never want to lose? I mean, I hate losing, I'll be honest, but I don't hate losing so much that I'm willing to pay a bunch of money not to lose. But... On second thought, are there ways in which we do pay money not to come in last or even second or third? Of course we do. We pay extra money to get a better seat on an airplane, to board first. You pay extra money to listen to this show ad-free. Wink, wink. But really, to cheat in a video game, it still begs the question, what is the return on your investment that you paid to cheat in the first place? Hey folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it. And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like Cheat, but better. It's just $2.99 a month, or if you're in the UK, £2.49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Next time on Cheat. The lack of regulatory oversight has made it just a breeding ground for scams. I mean, it is incredible the number of scams that are happening in the cryptocurrency industry. It's unlike anything else, I think. Cheat is presented by me, Alzo Slade. This episode was produced by Casey Georgie. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Megan Dietrich. The original idea for the show was developed by Tom Fuller. Mixing and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Special thanks to the Sony legal team. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola. <laughs>